0: Jade was looking elsewhere as she laughed. Anna wonders if perhaps Jade still had her invisible friend, Grace, even then, though she had stopped talking about her several years before. Maybe Jade needed her vivid inner reality to cope with our somber family. Maybe if I had been a happier mother, Jade would not have needed an invisible friend, she thinks. After all, of all her children, Jade was most tuned in to everybody. Anna's own discontentment would have hurt Jade most, she reasons. Anna's brow furrows as she wonders what she did—what she did that was so wrong that her youngest son felt the need to run away and never be heard from again. Tears fall from her eyes as she examines Forrest's face for clues. He has her eyes—large, dark, and infinitely soulful, almost like black holes. He squats in front of his older sisters, his arms wrapped around that damned chocolate lab, Moose. Forrest's hair was longer than Moose's fur, but about the same color, and since Forrest is squatting in the picture, the dog and he appear to be about the same height. Moose might be a little taller, and is without question more massive than Anna's little boy. Where is my little boy now? She feels the familiar stabbing sensation in her gut. She gently touches the photograph frame with fingertips and notices she did not successfully clean all of the oil paint from her cuticles. The hot flash, now over, has left her soaked and shivering. She continues on to her luxurious bathroom. On the marble counter next to a white potted orchid, she keeps a framed picture of her own mother, Pearl, so she can watch nature's progression, sad and cruel, as it slowly turns her own face into that of her mother's. Pearl's eyes are harsher, her jowls larger, and her face and figure much fuller. Other than that, the two women look the same. Anna studies the progressively looser tissue near the corners of her own mouth, that she believes are the beginning of jowls. She notices how the places on her face above and below her cheekbones get more hollow every day. She wonders if the tissue that used to be near her cheekbones has fallen to the place under her jaw that blends into her neck. She flexes the front of her neck in different ways to see if she can suck that tissue back up into place. She can't, of course and she finds the muscles and tendons that stick out in her neck, ghoul-like. She rips her soaked nightshirt off, turns the hot shower on, and steps inside. The moon sees forest, much like mercury in retrograde. Sometimes what is actually moving forward appears to move backward as it corners a bend. He sleeps in his tree-house built deep in the sawtooth mountains of Idaho in a tattered sleeping bag covered with a couple deerskins. His hair is long and unkempt and his beard is equally nest-like. He twitches as he sleeps, his expression troubled. The moon sees her own light shaft through open windows, unfiltered, since forest has no panes. It illuminates the newspaper stapled on the walls for insulation, but it cannot illuminate the senseless violence in the words. A pair of homemade moccasins sits on the floor, and a couple rabbit pelts hang from a branch nearby. The moon listens as below coyotes yip to her a love song. The moon sees olive like a nebula, the source of new creation. Olive is unaware of the creative forces at work. Her long, straight, dark hair stretches out above her because she cannot stand to have it touch her neck at night. Her open mouth makes tiny, moist noises as she breathes in and out, much like a baby. By her side of the bed sits a checkbook, balanced to the penny. Neatly-pressed professional clothes for another day at the bank hang on a hook on the closet door. Next to her sleeps her boyfriend, Matt. He sleeps on his back with his mouth closed and silent. Two copies of Snowboard Magazine